Tori, I haven't seen you since yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. Oh, my troubles seem so far away. Paul, tell them what we did yesterday. We played Lord of the Rings online for the first sure time. Sure did. That was really fun. I had a lot of fun like just walking around and seeing like the beautiful sceneries. It, it really is incredible when you get to like walk around and go to the different places you read about in the books especially when like uh like you don't you didn't see them in the movie and stuff like that like they really also expand the world out they add lore that you're like you know what i could see this actually being in tolkien's lore like they do so much with the rangers and the ruins of the north and like what happened with the north kingdom it's very very fun yeah even some names that were brought out brought up i was like oh i know those names um is it glad no not gladriel it is arwen's twin brothers if he has twin brothers, oh right? uh eladan and elro here yeah yeah if you are playing a elf or a dwarf your tutorial is helping eladan and elro here investigate some goings-on in the blue mountains and that was and cool all. i was like wait i know these names i know these people yeah <laughs> and like it, it's cool because you can play your character being because if you're an elf you were sent by elrond with eladan and elro here to investigate this thing uh, if you're a dwarf you already just kind of live there yeah. or you arrived with uh dwalin of bilbo's company yeah it's a very it's very lore heavy uh <laughs> i think it's very fun but like yeah there is so much and wait till like you actually get into the part of the books, like where you're running errands for Aragorn, where he's mm-hmm. like, you get to a part like when you get to when you first meet Aragorn, he's like, I I'd go do this mission myself, but currently I'm on the lookout for four hobbits who are coming out of the Shire, yeah. and it's very important that I meet them here. And you're like, oh okay, ah. and like it's like a little then Easter when you come egg. Back, then when you when you go away on your mission and come back, you're like, where's Aragorn? And Butterbur's like, oh, there was a much to do here. And he had to leave quickly with his charges. But Gandalf is here, and he can help. And you run into Gandalf. He's like, oh, who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what he says when you arrive. <laughs> but yeah, you get to meet so many different characters. You get to see Tom Bombadil's house. And Ooh, oh, yeah, I meet Goldberry meet Goldberry, yeah. get fucking lost in the old forest, or in the Barrow Downs. That, that's a very confusing <laughs> zone to be in, but it's all very fun and you feel integral to the plot because, like, I love fear, one of the, my favorite things... Yeah, one of my favorite things is, like, when uh, talking about the mission of the Fellowship with the Ring, like, like Elrond will be talking to you and he'll be speaking in code because you are one of the few people who knows about the fellowship. Ah. And he kind of makes you feel very important that way. He's like, I need you to keep an eye on our little mission we have going on. Because as we learn in this chapter, things are very hush-hush. Oh, things are very hush-hush. And as we learn in this chapter, like you also get to go to Moria and investigate what happened with Balin and his mission there. And you get to explore the depths Ooh, of the cool. mines and the ancient civilization of the dwarves. You get to ride with the Rohirrim into battle. You get to defend the walls of Gondor. You get to explore Mordor after the fall of Sauron. It's fucking... 
Oh, it's so good. And they're expanding. They're constantly expanding. That's stuff. wild. Their latest, their latest expansion had to do with the dwarves in the far north and having to retake their homelands there. But apparently they're thinking of going south into Harad and all these different other places. It's, I could talk about Lord of the Rings <laughs> online forever, so we're going to avoid that. <laughs> I do want to make one shout out, though, if you've been on my Twitter. Um, <laughs> we discovered that you can't make black skin tones for elves, disappointingly, yeah. even though Paul said you can for other races. So yeah. if anyone has a Lord of the Rings online account and wants to just like slide on into their customer support request, feel free to request. Because that... That did shock me, because, like, as a human hobbit and dwarf, you can have darker skin yeah. tones. It's just not as an elf. So, it's it's something that they're capable of doing, which is also makes it kind of sadder, because it's like someone implicitly was like, oh, this skin tone does not apply to elves, which makes me sad. sad. So, if you have an account, write in. If you want to, like, retweet or tweet to Lotro, I would love to play a black elf. It's been no one's surprise ever. So I'm summoning the masses. <laughs> yes. What a campaign it will be. Mm-hmm. What a campaign it will be. Well, I don't think we have much time for mucking Wait, about. I have one more lot... question before oh. we do muck about. All right, a little bit more mucking about. Tomorrow's <laughs> your birthday. What are you doing? Uh, going to the dentist is what I'm doing. All right, you mentioned that last time, huh? Yeah, It. I mean... I just don't do much for my birthdays because I just don't really have much to do. I should note, this recording, it is tomorrow, but by the time y'all listen to it, it will have been last week. So, feel free when you hear this to wish Paul a happy birthday. (laughs) Um, Any special dinner with your parents or... I did on Sunday. We have our... okay. We have our... uh, My birthday dinner is usually... uh, composed of our St. Patrick's Day dinner. So it's corned beef, uh, cabbage, Love and potatoes. Meal. Hell yeah. And yeah, I, I, I asked my mom how you cook it because I'm going to be cooking it for friends in uh, LA when I'm there next year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was... It was nice. Uh, my mom made proper red cake, not the horrible red cake I made you. You when I keep visited. saying that. Like it, it was, was because you've not tasted... The divine delicacy that You're is a gonna properly have to made ship me red like cake. a piece of your mom's red velvet cake. No, because I'll make it <laughs> once I'm in LA. I'll just properly make it this time. Because the biggest problem is you didn't have a mixer, and that was the biggest mm. problem. So you're gonna have a mixer. I'm gonna have to get a mixer, is what I'm <laughs> just for the do. cake. Just for the cake. Uh, uh, I can't believe I served that to Molly with a <laughs> smiling face. It was I good. I looked up to her so much and I gave her bad it cake. It was good. It wasn't even bad. It was solid cake. I even had seconds. If it wasn't good, I would not have even finished the first. I would have still been polite, but I would not have finished it. So. Anyway. Now enough mucking about. Now uh, enough mucking about. All right, let's begin in three, two.
Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of The Silly Marillion. I am your host, Paul, and welcome to my council. Uh, joining me is one of uh, our travelers, one of our travelers from afar, from far in the west, Tori. Hello, Tori. Welcome to my council. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me at your council. I have many questions and many goings on, specifically and about some, and some will be answered. There's there's a some riddle that came answered. to me in a dream, and I just I need counsel from the council. Of course, of course. Well. This council is happy to take you in and answer whatever questions you might have. Uh, as you can guess, guys, today is the day we're covering the Council of Elrond. I think it's the longest chapter in the books. It was very uh, long. It is shoving exposition up your ass. Truly. And it is... It's... Gosh. If anyone ever gets on your case if about you having too much exposition in your book compare it to tolkien if you are about on par if you're about on par with exposition with tolkien you, i think you're doing fine if you're doing less you're doing even better if you have more i think you have a problem because good lord <laughs> he fits back. so much exposition to into end. this one chapter i just love In how fairness. it's someone talking about a story and it's very much like and then he said blah 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 and so then i said this and you know he put his hand on my shoulder and said do we really need that much gandalf i'm looking I want at someone you to draw do we really need like, that much I want someone to draw, like, the Council of Elrond, and uh, Elrond is, like, standing up, talking about Isildur, and he just goes, and they were roommates, and Bilbo just leans into Frodo and goes, oh my gosh, they were roommates. <laughs> oh, gosh. Because that's how it feels, because half the time you're like, okay, cool, alright, <laughs> nice, oh, oh okay, Boromir's gonna talk now. Get to the point. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Guys, what are we going to do? <laughs> and how much of this is actually pertaining to their story? I mean, it's it's great. It's great backstory I mean, and side gotta... stories if you build a video game in which you're a side quest. It's a good time to throw those characters in. Well, all of it plays into some degree. And, like, I don't really need to tell you. Well, I will tell you. I'll fucking tell you how each thing pertains to the ring and why they should be at this council. Because mm. it is actually... Are some As much as I complain about this chapter, it is actually quite a necessary chapter to get through. Uh, and just get important information out. Okay. <laughs> so, gosh. Let's roll up our sleeves. Chapter 2, The Council of Elrond, or as I like to call it, group Pause here, time. go use the bathroom if you need to, because it's going to be a long one. Popping but then again, this is a pod- then again, this is a podcast, so you could literally just listen to this while you're taking a shit. In fact, go take a shit right now. We want to be your shit buddies. I think we've told them that before. Have we? Yeah. I, I don't think I at least, at least I haven't used the phrase, I want to be your shit buddy. I think you might have. I'm getting deja vu. Listeners, let us know. I think you're just. I think you're just good enough friend. I think we're just good enough friends that you know that's just something I would say, not that I have said it before. I think it's just you going. Of course, you'd fucking say that. You weird ass white boy. I'm getting deja vu. Anyway, shit buddies, buckle (laughs) in, grab your toilet seat, 
Get that Taco Bell through your system. And let's delve into the Council of Elrond. So I love how Frodo wakes up and is immediately like, ah, I just want to relax. It's like he's on a work vacation and he forgot he's got work. Because he's like, oh, I want to go hiking in those pine yeah. trees up there and check out. I want to explore Rivendell. Look at the gorgeous and, water. The sun is yeah. rising. It's a beautiful and day Gan- in the neighborhood. And Gandalf's like, you may have a chance to visit the hotel restaurant after the seminar. And he's like, oh, no. He's like, all right, come on. There's much to talk about. It's, Let's get to the boardroom. <laughs> it's truly, it's a board meeting. You're sitting down. Get your notes ready. <laughs> Again, another drawing of the Council of Elrond, and then Frodo leaning into Bilbo, and no, Frodo leaning into Gandalf and saying, "This really could have just been an email." It could have been an email. <laughs> oh my god! Maybe that should be Get the title. Get to work, artists. I got so many <laughs> Council of Elrond memes. <sighs> so, basically, uh, both Gandalf. Bilbo and Frodo are summoned to this council because, you know, they got important insight to talk about in regards to They're a to little the important. They might have some notes. And also, uh, my favorite line, uninvited and for the moment forgotten, trotted Sam. Poor Sam. Poor Sam. Not important enough. Also, I wrote the note uh, because they go to this, like, open-air courtyard with all these chairs. I wrote, we're going to have class outside today. <laughs> <laughs> At least for this long meeting, get a little fresh air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we get to meet uh, their introductions. Elrond's going around. He's like, okay, here's Martin from sales. Here's uh, Catherine from HR. And, uh, but you also the, have to mention line. that they're the sons and daughters of this person who is the daughter yeah, of this person. Frodo, son of Drogo. Uh, Gimli, son of Gloin. He doesn't use son of for a lot of some of them, but he at least uses it for Frodo. I like how he doesn't use Baggins because the idea of a surname is such a hobbity thing in this world when he's like, this is Frodo, son of Drogo. And Frodo's like, okay. I don't see how my dead father has anything to do about this, but all right. Did his parents Uh, drown? Yeah. His parents went out boating in the moonlight. Did they mention that or is this knowledge that I just acquired? Uh, that's knowledge you learned in the first fucking chapter when the hobbits are gossiping at the ivy bush. Ah, uh, okay. And they're talking about who Frodo is, and they're like, oh, yeah, his parents died, and Bilbo took him in. So sad. Okay. Anyway, that, we see some... that piece of knowledge came to me when I'm reading it. I was yeah. like, Drogo! Uh, we see some familiar faces at this council, those being, of course, Elrond, Glorfindel, Gloin, and Aragorn. Mm-hmm. Then we also have some new faces in the form of Gimli, who is the son of Gloin, who's there. Uh, Arrestor, who is a uh, counselor, and I think he's like the steward of Elrond's house. You have Galdor, who is an ambassador from the Havens, uh, from Círdan, who is the, technically the oldest elf alive in Middle-earth. Holy shit. Kirdan is so old, he actually has a beard. An elf with a beard. <laughs> Unheard of. Wait, how old is he? How old do you have to be to be an elf with a he beard? He was one of the first elves to awake in, like, uh, Quivienen, yeah. the place where they, where elves were first born. He was, like, one of the first elves. Uh, when they did their whole migration 
uh, towards Valinor. He stayed behind because uh, he first was helping look for Thingol, who was his king. Uh, and mm. then he just kind of settled by the sea because he uh, was in love with Ulmo, the sea god. Mm. That's not canon, but it's like, like he loved the That's sea so much. Canon. I'm like, the gay yearning for the sea. Uh, then we have Legolas of the Woodland Realm coming from his father, Thranduil, the baddest of all elves. <laughs> Party elves. And then a stranger from the south, a man named Boromir. <laughs> a white man. No. And oh, he was just will, like kind of. Aaron will contest it, that him being white. <laughs> he was kind of just vibing and Elrond was like, oh. Actually, you should come here. There might be some good answers for you. Well, yeah, he had come specifically seeking counsel, but we'll get to that. But what a time to get here. Like, it couldn't be a more convenient time when they're having a board meeting. Well, I think Elrond points it out how convenient it was that all of them had assembled at this point. At this time of day, in this great year. Mm-hmm. Also... Tolkien goes on to say, not all that was spoken in debate in the council need now be told. And it's like, bitch, you're going to try to fucking say everything. That you are still going to squeeze in as much as you can in this like 40 page chapter. Like the only thing Tolkien was like cutting out was like the minutes of the fucking meeting. Like they had a fucking scribe there taking notes. All in agreement. Say I. All of those say nay. The eyes have it. Moving on. <laughs> uh, so, uh... the first one to speak is Gloin, who basically fills in on what's been happening with the dwarves. Basically. Yeah. And they talk about how the dwarves have been feeling pretty depressed uh, because they just can't be as good as their sires were at crafting armor and weapons they're very good at building they surpass their fathers at, at like building and construction and engineering and that kind of thing but they just can't make goods like they used to and some people start saying that they were uh, that's because they're basically trapped in this one mountain and they have nowhere else to really expand their skill and trade and some people start saying hey why don't we go back to where it all began? Why don't we just retake Moria? Mm. Why don't we return to our ancient halls of Khazad-dûm that have laid empty for centuries? Do you know the lore about the dwarves specifically with Moria? I don't think so. I was I just put together why I know Khazad-dûm and it's because of Rings of Power, which takes place before Yeah, before they lost the fall it. of Khazad-dûm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, Moria is so, not ringing a bell. So basically, for thousands of years, Moria was like the pinnacle of dwarven civilization. It was the home of Durin the First. It was his great mm. hall that he had built, and the dwarves constructed many great things in there. It was it was the best of all the dwarven kingdoms, and they survived a lot of things. When Sauron in the Second Age came to basically. Uh, he killed the elves of Eregion. Eregion is right next to Khazad-dûm, and the dwarves simply shut their gates and hunkered down, and they survived. Uh, but they became more uh, isolationist because of this. Eventually, something happened. 
Fire Nation attacked. In a way, yeah. Something happened in Moria that caused the dwarves to flee it. And once the dwarves had fled, orcs came in and basically took over the place. Mm. Uh, more recent history is Thorin's grandfather, Thror, who was king of the Lonely Mountain when Smog attacked and took it. Mm. Thror was in a big depression after losing Erebor, because now he was basically a king without a country. He had his people. He was still leading his people. They were wandering in Dunland and all these other places, but they like they had built decent enough homes in the Blue Mountains and such, but they had not, they had not the glory they had. And so Thror, in kind of, it said like a moment of madness or despair, decides he's just going to walk into Moria and see what he can see. And if he can, maybe s- see if it might be possible for them to resettle in Moria again. Mm. He gets fucking killed by a orc named Azog. Damn. And this leads to, like, they insult it because they cut off Thror's head and carve Azog's name into his forehead. And basically throw the head at this one traveling companion Thor has. And they're like, hey, if beggars won't wait at the door and try to come in and steal what's ours, this is what we do to them. Here's your fee. Go tell your friends. And they like throw a sack of like copper coins at this dwarf. They call him Beggar Beard. And, and then they chop up Thor's body and feed it to crows. Oh, gosh. As this other dwarf kind of weeps and goes back. And he tells uh, Thor, uh, Thorin's dad, Thrain, all of what happened. And Thrain basically reaches out to all the dwarves in the world, basically. The seven clans of the dwarves. Mm. And these are dwarves who live in the far east and the far south. These are dwarven clans that we never hear about. Yeah. Because they don't interact with elves or humans that they just, much. They're just doing their own little thing. But because Thror was the heir of Durin, who was, who was revered by basically all dwarves. This was a massive insult to all dwarves. So that led to the War of the Orcs and the Dwarves, Mm. which was fought mostly underground in tunnels and ancient caverns. And it basically culminates in the Battle of Azanul Bazaar, which is outside the eastern gate of Moria, where basically the orcs are defeated. Uh, Dane Ironfoot, uh, well, it's where Thorin gets the name Oakenshield because he defends himself with an oaken branch. And his cousin Dane... Uh, gives a good account of himself by actually killing Azog at the doors of Moria. And then he looks inside Moria and he sees something that spooks him. So when Thrain is like, hey, we did great, now we can retake Moria, the other dwarves who came said, no, we came to avenge Thror. We didn't come to give you guys a new home. That's We can't live here because Moria was never our home. We got to return to our own dwarf holds. And Thrain then turns to Dane and is like, will my own kindred help me with with this? And Dane's like, I'm sorry, but we can't either. Because I've seen what's lurking in Moria through the doorway, and I will not go in there. Yeah. So there's had there's been this palpable dread that hangs over Moria, that no one is quite sure of what lies inside Moria. All they know is that it's bad fucking news. It's yeah. worse than orcs. 
Wow, okay. So that's basically the history of Moria and how, like Gloin says, no dwarf has dared to pass the doors of Khazad-dûm for many lives of kings, save Thror only, and he perished. But at last, however, Balin listened to the whispers and resolved to go, and though Dane did not give leave willingly, he took with him Ori and Oin and many of our folk that went away south. And, and that, that was, was 30 years that ago? That was 30 years ago. That's been three decades. Jesus. And they received word that Balin had actually developed like a small colony in Moria and that it was going well. But then silence, like no messages came after that. It, everything went silent. And then about a year ago, a messenger comes to the Lonely Mountain from Mordor. Oop who says, Sauron the Great wants to ally with you guys. <laughs> In fact, he will give you guys back some of the dwarven rings you guys used to have. Remember the rings? You guys fucking love the rings. I will give you back the rings if you give me some information on what the fuck is a hobbit. <laughs> because Sauron's like, I've not really been active since the Second Age. What the fuck is a hobbit? Have I just slept on this? A little bit. Let me go on social media and see what's popping. I need I need to make the meme of uh, uh, Griffin McElroy holding up the piece of paper that's like, I don't know what blank is, and at this point I'm afraid to ask, but it's Sauron. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what hobbits are, and at this point I'm afraid to ask. And it's funny because they're just little guys. Just they're little just guys. little guys who've only really been relevant in the Third Age. Yeah. Like, really. they barely existed in the Second Age. They probably <laughs> were just regular humans in the First Age. But, uh, and specifically, they want news on one particular hobbit. I wonder who, and I wonder why. And he really plays out how how unimportant this hobbit is. He's like, you know, you don't have to get him. He's not that important. In fact, he only has, like, a little ring, the least of rings. But Sauron wants that least of rings. It's like, okay... He's like, just do this. Tell us where your little buddy is, who we hear you had an adventure with. And, uh, you know, we'll give you your dwarven rings back and we'll be best friends forever. Uh, if you refuse, uh, we're going to fucking blow your house up. So what's what's your decision then? I also love how Dane's like, it's, it's not such at me, all. Dane's like, give me a fucking second. Yeah. <laughs> Let me give you, and say, I will give you back the rings that should already be yours. Like, you already know it should belong to them. Thing is, they probably don't want, they shouldn't want them back because these are corruptive rings because they were made by Sauron. They drive the wearers mad with greed. Mm. They're, they'd be a poison gift even if they did get them back. And I love Dane's quote here. I say neither yea nor nay. I must consider this message and what it means under its fair cloak. Consider well, but not too long, said he. The time of my thought is my own to spend, <laughs> answered Dane. Cheeky. For the present, said he, and rode into the darkness. And they can contemplate these dark words, and they're very troubled. And the messenger returns two more times. And went away unanswered. And the third and last time, he says, is going to happen soon before the end of the year. I'm surprised they even and gave so at... them three times. Yeah. And so Dane is an absolute bro and sends Gloin and Gimli 
to find Bilbo and warn him that Sauron is looking for him. Yeah. And I just, I love this veneration the dwarves have for Bilbo because literally they have their kingdom because he helped out because he was present. Mm-hmm. And so like, they're like, you know what? No, we won't fucking help you, Sauron. Because he's our buddy. He's our little buddy. He's our little buddy. You got our guy all wrong. <laughs> Uh, but they are worried because their ally, King Brand of Dale, is also worried because war is gathering on his eastern borders, and he's worried that uh, the men of the east, Sauron, will basically order to attack the dwarves and the men of Dale. And Elrond's like, "Okay, thanks for uh, thanks for the update. Thanks for the show and tell. Moving on to the next person." Well, thanks for the update. He's like, let me tell you why you shouldn't have, like, like why this is definitely not the least of rings. And he basically goes over the entire story of the ring. The He's ring like, pops of power. So, so Elrond goes, all right, let me, let me pull up the rings of power, silly Merlin episode. Ah, here we <laughs> go. We'll listen to this. And he really does go through how, like, Celebrimbor was deceived and, and the elven smiths were deceived by Sauron into crafting the Rings of Power and how they were then destroyed by it and how Numenor was destroyed, but the kings of men came out from the wreckage and came to aid the elves in the Battle of the Last Alliance. And then Elrond has a moment of PTSD where he's like, <laughs> I remember well the splendor of their banners. It recalled to me the glory of the Elder Days and the hosts of Beleriand. So many great princes and captains there assembled, and yet not so many nor so fair as when Thangorodrim was broken, and the elves deemed the evil was ended forever, and it was not so. And then Frodo, just like me, was like... Frodo Frodo realizing just how fucking old elves can be. old AF. But I thought, he stammered as Elrond turned towards him, I thought the fall of Gil-galad was a long time ago. So it was indeed, answered Elrond. But my memory reaches back even to the Elder Days. Arendil was my sire, who was born in Gondolin before its fall. And my mother was Elwing, daughter of Dior, son of Luthien of Doriath. I have seen three ages in the west of the world, and many defeats and many fruitless victories. Elrond is old. I'm gonna look up nope. how old he was. Elrond age. Several thousand Fellowship years by then. Three. At least six thousand years, I think. This answer that popped up is confusing. Elrond is about one thousand five hundred years old in the Rings of Power, four thousand years younger than when he first encountered Bilbo. So he's about five thousand five hundred years old. Making him well over 6,000 by the time... Yeah, he sailed west when he was 6,520 years old. Wow. So yeah, he's fucking old. However, uh, fucking Kirdan, I think, is pressing like 10,000. Jesus! What do you even do with your life at that point? He just builds boats. The man is in perpetual <laughs> Has retirement. Has he not built every boat there is built? Uh, Galadriel, when she sails west, is 8,374 years old. Hot damn. Oof. And Círdan, gosh, they can't even give him because <laughs> we don't technically know when he sails west. 
So he gets, he's still popping. He's still building yeah. boats. But then to yeah, put it he was in born in Quivianen. Yeah. To put it in perspective, Legolas is two thousand nine hundred and thirty one years old. Yeah, Legolas is a third age elf. I am. Oh, it says yeah. this age Kyrdan... was made up by the movie writers. Kirdan is around ten thousand years old. Jesus. The man that man is kicking. Wow. Let me tell you. The love of the sea will do things to someone. <laughs> but yes. They uh as they then talk about how like Elrond was there when Isildur had the ring and he mm-hmm. like tried to convince Isildur to destroy the ring and Isildur's like, nah, I fucking earned this because my dad and brother are fucking dead. I'm the last living member of my family. Uh so I'm gonna keep this ring as a wear guild and I'm gonna it's a prize that I have won by defeating Sauron. And he keeps it. And <laughs> He's like, that sucks. <laughs> I was like, that, that's... Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. This was not a good idea. And he and there's this moment where we realize just how almost diminished the world feels to the elves. Because Elrond goes, fruitless did I call the victory of the last alliance? Not wholly so, yet it did not achieve its end. Sauron was diminished, but not destroyed. His ring was lost, but not unmade. The Dark Tower was broken, but its foundations were not removed, for they were made with the power of the ring, and while it remains, they will endure. Many elves and many mighty men and many of their friends had perished in the war. And Arion was slain, and Isildur was slain, and Gil-galad and Elendil were no more. Never again shall, th- shall there be any such league of elves and men. For men multiply and the firstborn decrease, and the two kindreds are estranged. And ever since that day, the race of Numenor has decayed, and the span of their years has lessened. I really like the line of that that kind of a parallel description. Soren was diminished, but not destroyed. Ring was lost, but not unmade. Dark power was broken, mm-hmm. but its foundations were not removed. I feel like that's such a good way to look on a flip on like a positive side too. Like when you have a bad day, it's not a bad yeah. life. That was some good yeah. juxtaposition. That's the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of how like um like World War One set the seeds for World War Two, and how this one, like sure they won this war, but they didn't go to the lengths needed to prevent another war. They stopped. It was a half measure. And he basically goes to say how men in his eyes have diminished and become lesser. Uh, The the North Kingdom fell. I don't even Uh, know what else was talked about in this section. There are a lot of words and names. (laughs) Yeah. And these are... These are all locations you can visit in Lord of the Rings Online. In the north, after the war and the slaughter of the Gladden Fields, the men of Westerness were diminished, and their city of Anuminas beside Lake Evendim fell into ruin, and the heirs of Valendale removed and dwelt at Fornost on the high north downs, and that too now is desolate. Men call it Dead Man's Dyke, and they fear to tread there, for the folk of Arnor dwindled, and their, folks devo- and their foes devoured them and their lordship passed, leaving only green mounds on the grassy hills. And he talks about how then Gondor endured 
much longer than Arnor did, but it's kind of lost some of its nobility and grace it had of old. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they they've lost Minas Ithil, and it has been corrupted and turned into Minas Morgul. It used to be the Tower of the Moon, and now it is the Tower of Sorcery. <laughs> and well, Minas well, Anor, well. once known as the Tower of the Sun, is now Minas Tirith, the Tower of Guard. And it's in this kind of... Gondor's not been in this kind of state of peace for quite a like a few years now, on this constant wariness and edge of their seat. Uh, they've never really been able to consistently maintain a peaceable time for uh, quite a bit. How exhausting. Yeah. Uh, and they've, they've kind of been, they have basically been unallowed. They have not been allowed to thrive. They've basically been reliant on, well, everyone relies on them to be the bulwark of the West, to be this great shield mm. protecting these the realms of men against like invaders from the south and Mordor, defying our enemies, keeping the passage of the river from Argonoth to the sea. And he's like, and now that part of the tale is over. Time to move on to our next. Boromir kind of cuts in. He's like, okay, but don't say we're diminished because you know we're working really hard. <laughs> we're doing our best. By our valor, the wild folk of the east are still restrained, and the terror of Morgul kept at bay, and thus alone are peace and freedom maintained in the lands behind us, bulwark of the west. But if the passages of the river should be won, what then? And then he also kind of, he gives a warning on what's been happening in Gondor, and how this massive force has kind of erupted from Morgul and has begun to assail Gondor more fervently. And how they had to finally blow up the great bridge of Osgiliath and basically just hold it as they could. And how they are, uh, there is this great uh, terror that seizes the men of Gondor in the shape of a a black rider on a black horse, one of the Nazgul. Sounds familiar. And how they're just seeing them throws the forces of Gondor into disarray and fear. And how they're only barely able to hold on, thanks to some of the more doughty fighters among them kind of keeping the line. They are spooky boys. And and then uh, his brother has a dream. And it came to him. And then it comes to Boromir as well. Does he say which brother? Well, he only has one brother. Boromir? Look at me knowing things. Yeah. It took me so long to to identify which was Boromir and which was Faramir. Oh gosh. <laughs> A white man. In that in that dream, I thought the eastern sky grew dark, and there was a growing thunder. But in the west a pale light lingered, and out of it I heard a voice, remote but clear, crying, Seek for the sword that was broken. In Imladris it dwells. There shall be counsels taken, stronger than Morgul spells. There shall be shown a token that doom is near at hand, for Isildur's bane shall waken, and the halfling forth shall stand. And he goes to his father uh, to decipher this, and his father Denethor is like, Well, uh, I know what Imladris is. That's uh, that's an elf haven far to the north, uh, where Elrond half-elven dwells, the greatest of lore masters. Mm-hmm. And Boromir's brother, currently unnamed, 
says, oh, I, I want to go on this journey uh, because it was my dream. And Boromir's like, nah, it's too dangerous for you, bro. You stay here. You keep fighting the good fight. I'll, I'll do this. And Denethor's like, I don't, I don't want you to go, but okay. Uh, you're a grown man. You can mm. make these decisions yourself. And uh, he finally uh, get. He's like, and finally I'm here. And Aragorn's like, it's a good thing you showed up. And Thormir's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and you are. Before we get to that, Imladris is that another name? For... It's the Elvish name for Rivendell. Okay, I didn't know if that was like like a country where Rivendell was, or if it's just another name for something we were yeah, already it's, given. It's... It's the elven translation of Rivendell. Ah, uh, okay. Gotcha. I will admit, Aragorn's very uh, dramatic because he pulled, he's like, and here's the sword that was broken. <laughs> and Boromir's like, what the fuck? Part of the show and tell. For my dramatic reveal. <laughs> and Elrond's like, oh yeah, no, Aragorn's descended from Isildur. Uh, he is the rightful king of Arnor and the chieftain of the Dunedain. And then Frodo's like, oh, so the ring belongs to you. And Aragorn's like, uh, it doesn't belong to fucking any of us. Just hold out. Like, like just hold on to the ring for us, Frodo. Yeah. And Gandalf's like, oh, by the way, the ring. <laughs> the ring. Show it to Boromir. <laughs> They're like, ah, here's Isildur's bane. And then we get show and tell like, part ah. two. Yeah, and like, like Boromir's like now like, ah, so now I'm understanding the dream. And here's the halfling. So does that mean the doom of Minas Tirith has come at last? And Aragorn's like, well, it's not the doom of Minas Tirith, but fell deeds are at hand. And you know what? I'll come down and help you guys. And Boromir's like, I'm, I'm not here to basically ask for help. I'm here to simply get answers to this weird riddle I got in a dream. Yet we are, we are in need. So if you're as good as you say... We wouldn't mind some help. And Bilbo kind of doesn't like this. He comes cause... rushing to his baby boy's defense. Yeah, uh, I in my notes I wrote, Boromir will not stand any Gondor slander. Yeah. And then uh, immediately after that, Bilbo will not stand any Aragorn yes. slander. He's like, don't you talk to my boy like that. In fact. And he, in fact, I'm going to do a little... I'm going to do a little rhyme. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadow shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. I love not that Not very line. good, perhaps, but to the point. If you need more beyond the word of Elrond, if, if, if that was worth the journey of 110 days to hear, you would best listen to it. Cheeky. And then he goes, he sits down and he's like, I, I wrote that. <laughs> he goes to fucking Frodo. Yo, he's so proud of it too. I love the crownless again shall be king. Mm-hmm. Also, the first two lines, all that is gold does not glitter, not all those who wander are lost. Is that, like, did Jimmy originally write those lines? Because I've heard those lines before. I, I don't know. Is that where they came I... from? Or did he also pull it from somewhere else? I love that Aragorn has this, like, super secret pass, and he shares it with Bilbo, and he's immediately like, ah, I should write that into song. Yeah. Okay, so it comes from uh, an old English saying called, all that glitters is not gold. Hmm. 
currently mm. people attribute it with William Shakespeare. Oh, Shakespeare. Where he says, all that glisters is not gold. Okay. All that glisters is not gold. Often have you heard that told. Many a man his life hath sold, but my outside to behold. Gilded tombs do worms unfold. Had you been as wise as bold, young in limbs and judgment old, your answer had not been enscrolled. Fare you well, your suit is cold. Mm. It's giving me Tolkien vibes. Apparently comes from the Merchant of Venice. So yeah, uh, Tolkien. I think it's Tolkien who adds um, the phrase, not all those who wander are lost. It's good line. I think that Iconic is Yeah. Tolkien does like to take little bits of, like, English literature and include them. You have, like, all that glitters is not gold. Uh, the idea, the song about the cow jumping over the moon mm-hmm. is taken from the nursery rhyme. Yeah. Of Hey Diddle Diddle, the cat and the fiddle. The cow jumped over the moon. So now it's a little bit of Aragorn story time. He says, I am not Isildur himself. Yeah, he's like, I, he's like, I... He's like he kind of goes to Bilbo. He's like, you don't need to bit, like bite off Boromir's head about this. I know I don't look like Isildur of old. I know I look like a scrangy little rat man. I don't shampoo my hair, and that's probably why. But you should see it with conditioner. Then you can really like, see the resemblance. Because I I know I live in a ditch, and eat rats for a living. He kind of he kind of shoots back to Boromir. He's like, we know you're doing hard work. But, like, you aren't the only ones who are doing hard work. The rangers have been doing hard work for a long time, even after our kingdom fell. And we don't get any thanks for it. Which, gosh, Aaron's gonna bite my head off for it. <laughs> she, like, they do, they do not care for Aragorn. Because they're like, well, have you asked? Like, the Dunedain are purposefully mysterious. Mm. Um... And that's why they kind of don't get any praise. But I don't think he's really complaining too much about it. I think he's definitely br- simply bringing it up where he's like, "It, but we don't do it for the praise. We don't do it for the love of the people. We do it just to keep them safe. Yeah. And he's like, but now I shall reforge the sword and I will come to Minas Tirith. I love this line. If simple folk are free from care and fear, simple they will be, and we must be secret to keep them so. Which is very much what the hobbits have been doing all this time. Oh yeah, no, like the hobbits have been vibing. The Shire is a very maintained ecosystem. But now the world is changing once again. And then they're like, so uh, how do we know this is the ring? (laughs) (laughs) And Eleanor's like, ah, now we shall get to that part of the story. And Bilbo's like, not yet, I beg, master, cried Bilbo. Already the sun is climbing to noon, and I feel the need of something to strengthen me. I had not named you, said Elrond, smiling, but I do so now. Come, tell us your tale, and if you have not yet cast your story into verse, you may tell it in plain words. The briefer, the sooner shall you be refreshed. In other words, Very keep well, it said... short, y'all. Keep it short. Very well, said Bilbo. I will do as you bid, but I will now tell the true story. If some of you have heard me tell otherwise... He looked sidelong at Gloin. I asked them to forget it and forgive me. I only wished to claim the treasure as my very own in those days, and to be rid of the name of thief that was put on me. But perhaps I understand things a little bit better now. Anyway, this is what happened. Here's what you missed on Glee. 
And he basically goes over the events of The Hobbit with him finding the ring in Gollum's cave uh, and taking it. Uh, he he said he gave the previous like if some of you may not have heard the true story from me before when he talks to Gloin because uh, it's the best bit of um uh oh gosh what's the what's the thing where you add in a an, a a story element after you've already written the story uh the anecdote. No, not an anecdote. It's when you're changing something about the story after the fact. You're retconning. Retconning. That's it. This is the best retcon of <laughs> history, in my opinion, because when The Hobbit first came out in the 1930s, before Tolkien even thought about doing Lord of the Rings, uh, his interaction with Gollum was different because in the original oh, yeah. Hobbit, Gollum gives him the ring as a prize for winning the riddle contest and and it's not him stealing it basically and so gandalf retcons that as well that was bilbo's telling of it to the dwarves and when he wrote the lord of the rings and then adjusted the hobbit for it he's like this is this version of the hobbit is actually what really happened Mm. and it's not bilbo telling it anymore so you get the true true facts and he gives the whole kind of story about it, and then uh, Frodo, Frodo jumps gives in his a little bit. Yeah, Fro- Frodo gives his side of the story from all the way from his journey in Hobbiton to the Fords of Bruinen, and then he sits down, and Bilbo goes, "Not bad. You would have made a good story of it if they hadn't kept on interrupting." <laughs> I tried to make a few notes, but we shall have to go over it again together sometime if I'm to write it up. Just there a... were whole chapters of stuff before you ever got here. He's just an aspiring author and songwriter. It's his retirement goals, hobbies. Mm. And so now they have all this information. Galdor's like, I want to know what happened to Gandalf. And also, I want to know why not all the wise are here. Because mm. where is Saruman? He's learned in the lore of the rings that he's not among us. What is his counsel if he knows the things that we have heard? And Gandalf's like, well, I'm going to tell you. And then he just talks for the rest of this time, doesn't he? Yeah, basically. <laughs> and he basically goes over what he knows about the rings, what he suspected all those years ago. He passed the doors of the necromancer in Dol Guldur and discovered the necromancer was Sauron in another guise. And finally... uh he convinced the White Council and Saruman to attack Sauron and drive him off. But they were too late because Sauron had already left and gone to uh, go to Mordor. And Gandalf's like, we should start looking for the One Ring. And Saruman had told him, nah, don't worry about it. The ring's probably lost. Probably. It's probably fine. If, it's, if, it's any, if it fell into Anduin the Great River and long ago, while Sauron slept, it rolled down to the river to the sea... There, let it lie to the end. That's what you would think. I also would think if yeah. something was lost in the sea, it would never be found again. Ever, ever. Mm-hmm. Sar- and Gandalf kind of just accepts Saruman's word with that. Where he's just like, alright, okay, fine, I don't like it. <laughs> and Elrond's like, well, you weren't the only one who was kind of fooled by this. Because we were also willing to like take his word for it. I mean, you don't want to believe there's trouble. You want to believe... 
the evil's gone. You wanna, yeah, you wanna feel comfortable. Ignorance is you bliss. Wanna, yeah, ignorance is bliss. You don't wanna fucking evil ring be... living in the background of your life. And you don't want to do work, you know? You yeah. don't want to... <laughs> Just let it be. It's fine. We'll deal with yeah. it later. That's the whole thing with climate change. <laughs> it re- oh my god, it really is climate change. It's just climate change. They're like, ah, oh, it's not going to affect us. We'll deal with it Saruman, later. Saruman are the Republicans <laughs> and the rest of the White Council is basically a lot of other people who are just like, yeah, Maybe okay. Maybe we should care. Maybe. Maybe. Um, Maybe not. And then, but then Gollum, uh, sorry, not Gollum, uh, Gandalf's thoughts turn towards the ring. Uh, he's like, where did the Hobbit's ring come from? And then he starts doing more research into that. And he's like, well, the only person who can tell me where the ring came from is Gollum. Yeah. So they hunt, they hunt Gollum with the help of Aragorn. For a time, they hunt for him, but they, they can't find him. So it's just Aragorn who's on this mission because Gandalf has to leave it. Gandalf and... has things to do. And so Gandalf goes to the to Minas Tirith and starts to do research. He's like, "Hey, Denethor, can I look at your stuff?" And Denethor's like, "Okay, fine, but I'm busy. And like, you know, my <laughs> kingdom's under. I'm like, this place is constantly under attack. I got other shit to do. So fine, go through our old scrolls." And he goes through and finds. Uh, he confirms that the ring Isildur took was the One Ring. He found one scroll that no one had ever thought to read before. And it it tells you how to identify it. Mm -hmm. So he then went north and he receives word that uh, Aragorn had found Gollum. And they go with Gollum to Mirkwood where they hold him. And they torture Gollum for information, basically. Yeah. I know. I'm, what's the word? Not a Gollum apologizer, not appreciator. You you sympathize. Sympathizer, that's the word. I sympathize yeah. for him, and my wife hates it. <laughs> but when they had that they... Uh, was it Aragorn? Like, gagged him, halter around his neck, and, like, didn't give him food or drink. I felt bad for him. Yeah. Said he stank. And, like, Gandalf had to put the fear of fire into him. Yeah. Unfortunate. But necessary. He had to get the information somehow. And so they learned that Gollum's ring came from the Great River. And he knew immediately that it has to be the One Ring. And he he then decides, I'm going to speak the cursed language right now (laughs) and if that's not proof enough there is another test do you know how to say this i love how it says the elves stopped their ears Yes. What does that? Do they just cover them? Can elves just turn their ears off? Yeah, it's 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 you covering your ears. Okay. When you stop your ears. You cover your ears. Because <laughs> uh, uh, the black speech of Mordor is so abhorrent to the elves that just listening to it. And makes Elrond them is like, "Why did you say that here?" And yeah, I was like, "Well, if we don't do it now, they might hear it later when Sauron burns this place to the fucking ground." <laughs> 
And it translates and to... So, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them. Thus the enemy knows now that the one is found, that it was long in the shire, and since his servants have pursued it almost to our door, he soon will know, already he may know, even as I speak, that we have it here. And then everyone kind of falls silent, and then Boromir's like, what'd you do with Gollum? <laughs> and Aragorn's like, oh, don't worry, he's in prison, he won't be bothering us. And Legolas is like, Well, actually, this is a good time. Hey, hate to tell you this, guys, this is kind of awkward. Hey guys, uh, Legolas, Mirkwood Prince. Um, Smeagol, also known as Gollum, escaped. And Aragorn's like, wow, how the fuck did you guys fuck this up? And Legolas is like, "Uh, we were kind of overly nice to him. We used to let him him climb a tree. I'm a Gollum sympathizer. Elves are Gollum sympathizers. He's like, we felt bad for him, but Gandalf bade us hope still for his cure, and we had not the heart to keep him ever in dungeons under the earth, where he would fall back into his old black thoughts. You were less tender to me, yeah. said Gloin with a flash of his eyes. A little bit of that. memories were stirred of his imprisonment in the deep places of the Elven King's Halls. Come now, said Gandalf, pray do not interrupt my good Gloin. That was a regrettable misunderstanding long set right. If all the grievances that stand between elves and dwarves are to be brought up here, we may as well abandon this council. <laughs> and Gloin kind of apologizes and gives a little bow, and then Legolas continues. He's like, so we used to let him climb this tree. <laughs> And then one day he just wouldn't come down, and so we just left some guards there for when he did come down. Uh, but orcs came along and killed the guards and drove them off, and Smeagol escaped. And we tried to uh, pursue him, but he eventually vanished. Into Dol Guldur? We're drawing nigh to Dol Guldur, and that is still a very evil yeah. place. We do not go that way. And Gal's like, well, well. He's gone. <laughs> Fuck. But he may have a part to play. And they're like, okay, but can we circle back to where Saruman is? Because we <laughs> oh, talked yeah. about him having ring knowledge. We mentioned him, what's and up then with him? what's up with that guy? And get, and get what's up like, with okay, that? Sh- so, in June, I At met up with my buddy Radagast. At the end of Pride Month. <laughs> At the end of Pride Month, I met up with Radagast the Brown. And he was like, hey, Saruman's looking for you. Uh, he wants you to come visit him. I've been told to find you. And Gandalf's like, oh, maybe he learned something that can help us. So he tells Radagast to send uh, any like bird friends he's got to Orthanc and to deliver news back and forth. That's pretty cool. And he rides to uh, visit Saruman. Oh, we get a little wizard lore here, too. For Saruman the White is the greatest of my order. Radagast is worthy, but not as high up as Saruman. Um, and they talked about shapes and changes of hue. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a master of shapes and changes of hue. He has much lore of herbs and beasts and birds are especially his friends. The Saruman has long studied the arts of the enemy himself, and thus we have often be able we have been able to forestall him. It was by the devices of Saruman that we drove him from Dol Guldur. It might be that he had found some weapons that would drive back the Nine. I love that little wizard lore drop because I, when we watched The Hobbit, I was like, Radagast, who is this? Um, yeah. And I was a little confused on why Saruman was like kind of 
good but then he was actually evil and i never made that connection and this whole this next whole storyline really like cemented it for me yeah so he goes to visit saruman at isengard which used to be a watchtower of the folk of numenor before it was basically given by gondor to saruman to be his little house uh, this little banter between them. So you have come, Gandalf, he said to me gravely, but in his eyes there seemed to be a white light as if cold laughter was in his heart. Yes, I have come, I said. I have come for your aid, Saruman the White. And that title seemed to anger him. Have you indeed, Gandalf the Grey, he scoffed. For aid? It has seldom been heard that Gandalf the Grey sought for aid, one so cunning and so wise, wandering about the lands and not concerning himself in every business, whether it belongs to him or not. So spiteful. So spiteful. So bitter. Like, why is he so bitter? I love how it was immediately with this interaction, you know something's wrong. The nine have come forth again, I answered. They have crossed the river, so Radagast told me. Radagast the brown, laughed Saruman, and he no longer concealed his scorn. Radagast the bird tamer, Radagast the simple, Radagast the fool. Yet he had just the wit to play the part that I set for him. For you have come, and that was all the purpose of my message. And here you will stay, Gandalf the Grey, and rest from your journeys. For I am Saruman the Wise, Saruman Ringmaker, Saruman of many colors. I looked then and saw that his robes, which had seemed white, were not so, but were woven of all colors, and if he moved, they shimmered and changed hue, so that the light, so that the eye was bewildered. I liked white better, I said. <laughs> white, he sneered. It serves as a beginning. White cloth may be dyed, the white page can be overwritten, and the white light can be broken. In which case it is no longer white, said I, and he that breaks a thing to find out what it, ha what it is has left the path of wisdom. Cheeky. I love this banter between each the two the two wizards and it really lends to this idea of the corrupting influence of wanting more mm -hmm. this idea of wanting greater power greater resolve uh one second let me turn my light on it's fucking dark it just got super dark <laughs> i think the sun just set yeah, it's it's also due to the fact that I think because Sauron, uh, Saruman, I mean, delved so deep into the like skills and tactics of Sauron, that he began to kind of think more and more like Sauron. Yeah, and they're both former. They're both Maiar of Aule, the craftsman Valar. So I think there's that connection as well of just how their minds work. Mm. That just kind of makes it Some easier for them to. There to think of this way of handling the ring as opposed to other ways. Yeah. And he goes, uh, he, he tries to bring Gandalf to his side where he's like, look, I know Sauron is working. I know he's becoming more powerful and he's becoming more and more dangerous. Look, we must unite all the powers we have together we have uh we can bide our time we can keep our thoughts in our hearts deploring maybe evils done by the way but approving the high and ultimate purpose knowledge rule order all the things that we have so far striven in vain to accomplish hindered rather than helped by our weak or idle friends they need not be there would not be any real change in our designs only in our means and he's now definitely fallen into the trap 
of the ends justify the means. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, I'll kidnap a thousand children before I let this company die. <laughs> like that's yeah. He really water noose. he really hones in on that we. And Gamsel immediately like, yeah, uh, I've heard these yeah. words before. In the Do you think I'm stupid? Mordor. Do you think I'm young? It it reminded me a little too of um. Uh, was is it Sauron Halbrand in uh, Rings yes. of Power? How he Spoilers, tried to by the way. spoiler if you haven't watched it yet. What are you doing here? Go watch it. How he <laughs> when he was trying to corrupt Ladril, and it was very much we can do this together. Yeah, we can take it over. And he finally is like, "What about the ring? With the ring, we could defeat Sauron and let." peace reign and we can be so amazing together just imagine bro just some gay wizards ruling the world and again gandalf is like i'm not stupid he's like yeah he's like i'm not stupid only one person can wield the ring at a time and you would not want to share power well the choices are it seems to submit to sauron or to yourself i will take neither have you others to offer (laughs) <laughs> and he's like yes I did not expect you to show wisdom even on your own behalf but I gave you the choice of aiding me willingly and so saving yourself such trouble and pain the third choice is to stay here until the end until what end until you reveal to me where the one may be found I may find means to persuade you or until it fi- oh, god he says it seductively I may find means to persuade you and then he like pulls like his robe aside and he's like wearing like like fishnet stockings <laughs> and shit. Or until it is found in your despite and the ruler has time to turn to lighter matters, to devise, say, a fitting reward for the hindrance and insolence of Gandalf the Grey. That may not prove Gina. to be one of the lighter matters, said I. He laughed at me, for my words were empty and he knew it. So basically, they're like, we're going to take you and put you on top of this tower. And now you're and stuck. And that's it. Just stuck on yeah. top of a tower captured and frodo and frodo saw him uh he dreamed he saw him uh after he left the shire i saw you cried frodo you were walking backwards and forwards the moon shone in your hair it really shows how powerful saruman is to or cunning to trap gandalf this person who's supposed to be all powerful and always like saving them and it's like oh that's why he ditched the hobbits he was literally he, he, captured. He had yeah. no choice. But luckily, he had told Radagast to send messengers to Orthanc. And one of the messengers is Gwaihir the Windlord, one of the great eagles. And yeah. he finds Gandalf imprisoned on top of Orthanc and basically flies him away. And Gandalf's like, how far can you take me? And Gwaihir is like, bro, I can take you like half an hour. <laughs> I can drive you half an hour somewhere it's on my way and so they set down in rohan gandalf gets a, f- a free horse can we get a little horse horse interlog mm. of um here's here's how i got my cool horse shadow facts yeah again gandalf not getting the to horse. the point yeah gandalf is just like oh let me tell you how cool this horse is yeah and then they're like, oh, has Rohan fallen to the enemy? And Boromir's like, nah, the, Ro- the Rohirrim are bros. They'd never fucking do that. 
And Aragorn's like, well, if Sauron has fallen to evil, maybe the Rohirrim have. And Boromir's like, that's bullshit. They love their horses, and people who love horses cannot be evil. Shout out to and the Gano's horse girls. Like, and Gandalf's like, Boromir's right. <laughs> they love their horses so fucking much. They love their horses more than they love evil or power. Therefore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Gandalf then rides immediately on the fastest fucking horse in the world. He goes to the Shire, and he comes to... I came to Hobbiton, and Frodo had gone, but I had words with old Gamgee. Many words and few to the point. He had much to say about the shortcomings of the new owners of Bag End. Gandalf is one to talk. And I love I love Sam's dad just being like, I can't abide changes, said he. Not in my time of life, and least of all changes for the worst. <laughs> worst is a bad word, I said to him, and I hope you do not live to see it. Uh, and then he immediately... Uh, goes to Crick Hollow, finds it in an uproar, and then so he immediately goes to Bree, and Butterbur, they call him, I thought I. If this delay was his fault, I'll melt all the butter <laughs> in him. I will roast the old fool over a slow fire. Poor Butterbur. He expected no less, and when he saw my face, he fell down flat and began to melt on the spot. What did you do to him? cried Frodo in alarm. He was really very kind to us, and did all he could. Gandalf laughed. Don't be afraid, he said. I did not bite, and I barked very little. <laughs> so overjoyed was I by the news that I got out of him when he stopped quaking that I embraced the old fellow. How it had happened, I could not guess, but I learned that you had been in Bree the night before, and had gone off that morning with Strider. Strider, I cried, shouting for joy. Yes, sir, I'm afraid so, sir, said Butterbur, mistaking me. He got to them, in spite of all that I could do, and they took up with him. They behaved very queer all the time they were here. Willful, you might say. Ass, fool, thrice worthy and beloved Butterbur, said I. It's the best news I've had since midsummer. It's worth a gold piece at the least. May your beer be laid under an enchantment of surpassing excellence for seven years, said I. Now I can take a nice rest. The first since I have forgotten when. Man... He gained some years during all of this. <laughs> yeah, it's like when it's like when you see like a person become president, and then like at the end of their presidency, they look so much older. Yeah, and so like, many wrinkles. God. The head of hair is white. But Gandalf is already white and gray and old as fuck. So he just looks more tired. Yeah. <laughs> so he's and still so... storytelling. Still storytelling. Yeah, he's still still storytelling. My God. Uh, but I also love how Butterbur is like, oh, God, don't kill me. And he's like, bitch, I love you. He, like, kisses him. <laughs> he's like, you're, you're beautiful. I love it. So then he he overshoots the hobbits and Gandalf, uh, Aragorn because his horse is so fucking fast. He gets to Weathertop several days before them. And the Nazgul are there. And they're like, motherfucker. And he's like, fuck you. And then he shoots a bunch of fireworks at them. And they're like, ah. <laughs> And he's like, well, I can't stick around here much longer, so I'm just going to have to go on ahead and hope they reach Rivendell. And trust in Aragorn. So mm-hmm. And he, he tries to, um, yeah, he gets four of the Black Riders to follow him, so he kind of is able to get them off their tail. Yeah. And he's like, and that's the end of my story. But we have not yet come any nearer to our purpose. What shall we do with it? After all of that. And then, yeah, they find out they have another enemy in Saruman, mm -hmm. which is um, not good tidings for them. 
And Elrond is like, thanks for actually bringing me all this information. It's been a while since I traveled the Westward Road. The Barrow Whites we know by many names, and of, of the old forest many tales have been told. All that now remains is but an outlier of its northern march. Time was when a squirrel could go from tree to tree, from what is now the Shire to Dunland, west of Isengard. But I had forgotten Bombadil. So if indeed this is the, still the same that walked the woods and hills long ago, and even then was called older than the old. That was not his name. Iarwain Benadar, we called him, oldest and fatherless. But many other names he has been given by other folk. Forn by the dwarves, Oral by northern men, and other names besides. He's a strange creature, but maybe I should have summoned him to our council. He wouldn't have come, said Gandalf. I love how we just got some more Tom lore. You thought you were done yeah. with him, and it's like, no, let's add to the mystery and intrigue. He also is old as, as fuck. Yeah, and Arrestor's like, why don't we just give him the ring since I he seems to have no power over him? love that, because it was like, it's like one of those memes of, oh, what if Frodo had a Glock? What if Tom yeah. had the ring? What if Tom had the ring? What would and, that story be like? And Gandalf's just like, he wouldn't willingly take it. He might do so if everyone asked and begged him to do it, but he wouldn't understand it. And if he were given the ring, he would soon forget it, or most likely throw it away. Yeah. Such things have no hold on his mind. He would be a most unsafe guardian, and that alone is answer enough. Which also just goes to show, what is he, like, to not be affected at all by the ring? And, and they do kind of clear it up where it's like, he seems to have a power over the ring. And Gauss like, say rather that the ring has no power over him. He's his own master, but he cannot alter the ring itself, nor break its power over others. And Glorfindel's like, we can't... He's too far away now. And if they do give it to Bombadil, he does not think he could hold off Sauron. I think that in the end, if all else is conquered, Bombadil will fall, last as he was first, and then night will come. Mm-hmm. So their choices here are, as Glorfindel already declared, hide the ring forever or to unmake it. Which, we kind of talked about how if you're trying to hide it, you can't even hide it in a freaking river next to the ocean. Yeah. It will be found then- eventually. And the elves are like, why don't we just try and keep the ring here in Rivendell? Or we could send it to Lothlorien or Linden, where the other elf powers are. And Elrond's like, I don't have the strength, and neither do they. And Glorfindel's like, well, we got two choices. Throw it into the sea or destroy it. And Elrond's like, well, we can't destroy it here. Oh, wait, no, they don't, said don't throw it into the sea. He says send it over the sea into Valinor. Mm. And Elrond's like, it'll never get past customs. They won't <laughs> allow it in. This is a problem for Middle-earth to handle. You're the ones who started it. You can't take a, you can't bring a gun on a plane. You can't take the ring into Valinor. That's just not how you <laughs> do it. That's silly. And then Glorfindel does say, well, then why don't we just throw it into the ocean? And Gandalf's like, that won't guarantee anything. Like, the land masses have changed before. What will stop them from changing again? It will be we've found again eventually. Parts of, we've seen parts of a continent sink under the waves. What happens if the if parts of a continent get risen instead? Well, and then Boromir... And they're also like, 
Uh, they're also like, and if we can't return to Bombadil without being spied and waylaid, we definitely can't get to the sea without being spied and waylaid. Mm-hmm. And then Bormer brings up using the ring. Yeah. As a weapon to defeat the enemy. Which, you know, not a bad thought to throw out, but it does not belong to them. And it will be evil, and it will turn whoever wields it to be mm-hmm. evil. Save only those who have already a great power of their own. Yeah. Which I love because that also speaks to the strength of hobbits. We cannot use the ruling ring. That we know all too well. It belongs to Sauron and was made by him alone and is altogether evil. Its strength, Boromir, is too great for anyone to wield at will, save only those who have already a great power of their own. But for them it holds an even deadlier peril. The very desire of it corrupts the heart. Consider Saruman. If any of the wise should with this ring overthrow the lord of Mordor using his own arts, he would then set himself on Sauron's throne, and yet another dark lord would appear. And that is another reason why the ring should be destroyed. As long as it is in the world, it will be a danger, even to the wise. For nothing is evil in the beginning. Even Sauron was not so. I fear to take the ring to hide it. I will not take the ring to wield it. And Gandalf's like, I won't do it either. And then he's like, well, give it to Gondor. The wise, at the at the least, while the wise ones guard this ring, we will fight on. And then he kind of reaches out to Aragorn. And he says, mayhap the sword that was broken may still stem the tide. If the hand that wields it has inherited not an heirloom only, but the sinews of the king of, kings of men. Who can tell, said Aragorn, but we will put it to the test one day. May that day not be too long delayed, said Boromir. It's very grim at this time in the council. (laughs) We finally got to the problem at hand. There's a ring. It's dangerous. What do we do with it? And then they start talking about how maybe the other rings that aren't the nine could be used against Sauron. And like, we could, Gloin brings up the dwarf rings. He's like, maybe Balin has found the ring of Thror in uh, Moria. And Gandalf's like, no, the Ring of Thror is already in the hands of Sauron, because he Thror did not take it into Moria. He gave it to Thrain, who was uncaptured by Sauron. Mm. And then Gloin's like, well, what about the three Elven Rings? Are they doing fucking anything? <laughs> I see Elf Lords here. Will they not say? Did you not hear me, Gloin? Said Elrond. The three were not made by Sauron, nor did he ever touch them. But of them, it is not permitted to speak. So much only in this hour do I d- of doubt I may s- now say. They are not idle, but they were not made as weapons of war or conquest. That is not their power. Those who made them did not desire strength or domination or hoarding wealth, but understanding, making, and healing to preserve all things unstained. These things the elves of Middle-earth have in some measure gained, though through though with sorrow. But all that has been wrought by those who wield the three will turn to their undoing, and their minds and hearts will become revealed to Sauron if he regains the one. It would be better if the three had never been. That is his purpose. And finally, they settle on the fact that, okay, the ring has to be destroyed. Yep. Which would bring us to our next problem. How? Who will take the ring? Mm Mm-hmm. Very well, very well, Master Elrond, said Bilbo suddenly. Say no more. It is plain enough what you are pointing at. 
Bilbo the silly hobbit started this affair, and Bilbo had better finish it, or himself. I was very comfortable here, and getting on with my book. If you want to know, I am just writing an ending for it. I had thought of putting, and he lived happily ever afterwards to the end of his days. It is a good ending, and none the worse for having been used before. Now I shall have to alter that. It does not look like coming true, and anyway there will evidently have to be several more chapters if I live to write them. It is a frightful nuisance. When ought I to start? Boromir looked in surprise at Bilbo, but the laughter died on his lips when he saw that all the others regarded the old hobbit with grave respect. Only Gloin smiled, but a smile came from old memories. Of course, my dear Bilbo, said Gandalf, if you had really started this affair, you might be expected to finish it. But you know well enough now that starting is too great a claim for any, and that only a small part is played in great deeds by any hero. You need not bow. Though the word was meant, and we do not doubt that under jest you are making a valiant offer, but one beyond your strength, Bilbo, you cannot take this thing back. It has passed on. If you need my advice any longer, I should say that your part is ended, unless as a recorder. Finish your book, and leave the ending unaltered. There is still hope for it, but get ready to write a sequel when they come back. Bilbo laughed. I have never known you give me pleasant advice before, he said. As all your unpleasant advice has been good, I wonder if this advice is not bad. Still, I don't suppose I have the strength or luck left to deal with the ring. It has grown, and I have not. But tell me, what do you mean by they? The messengers who are sent with the ring. Exactly. And who are they to be? That seems to me what this council has to decide, and all it has to decide. Elves may thrive on speech alone, and dwarves endure great weariness. But I am only an old hobbit, and I miss my meal at noon. Can't we think of some names now, or put it off till after dinner? No one answered. The noon bell rang. Still no one spoke. Frodo glanced at all the faces, but they were not turned to him. All the council sat with downcast eyes, as if in deep thought. A great dread fell on him, as if he was awaiting the pronouncement of some doom that he had long foreseen, and vainly hoped might after all never be spoken. An overwhelming longing to rest and remain at peace by Bilbo's side and Rivendell filled all his heart. At last, with an effort he spoke, and wondered to hear his own words, as if some other will was using his small voice. "'I will take the ring,' he said." Though I do not know the way. Elrond raised his eyes and looked at him, and Frodo felt his heart pierced by the sudden keenness of the glance. If I understand aright, all that I have heard, he said, I think that this task is appointed for you, Frodo, and that if you do not find a way, no one will. This is the hour of the Shire Folk when they arise from their quiet fields to shake the towers and councils of the great. Who of all the wise could have foreseen it? Or if they are wise, why should they expect to know it until the hour has struck? But it is a heavy burden, so heavy that none could lay it on another. I do not lay it on you. But if you take it freely, I will say that your choice is right, 
and though all the mighty elf friends of old, Hador and Hurin and Turin and Baron himself were assembled together, your seat should be among them. But you won't send him off alone, surely, master, cried Sam, unable to contain himself any longer and jumping up from the corner where he had been quietly sitting on the floor. No, indeed, said Elrond, turning towards him with a smile. You at least shall go with him. It is hardly possible to separate you from him, even when he is summoned to a secret council and you are not. Sam sat down, blushing and muttering. Fine pickle we have landed ourselves in, Mr. Frodo, he said, shaking his head. That last part was so cute. And we get we get a uh we get a Turin mention. Hell yeah. That made me excited and then immediately sad. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so proud of little Frodo. He said he'll take it though he does not know the way. And also little Sam jumping up mm -hmm. to saying he'll go with him. And then at the end of this chapter, I really wanted to keep going. So I was like, all right, that was that was some great chats. Let's let's get to some action. <laughs> I will say I have had the greatest respect for your restraint when reading through these books, because I know you're an avid reader. And I know having to wait for the next chapter for like yeah. a week is probably killing you sometimes. That's why I don't often read these chapters until right before we record because if i read them earlier the i'm just, just so powerful I'm just gonna keep going so i read the chapters and i'll put it away and it goes to the corner of my desk until the next recording and i gosh i love bilbo being like all right i'll take the ring to mordor yeah. and it's like it shows like a responsibility he has where he's like okay i took the ring out of Gollum's cave i should be the one to toss it in the fire and how Boromir is just so amused by this old little guy saying, I'll take the Ring of Mordor, but then realizes everyone is like very respectful of Bilbo yeah. simply because of what he's done. And I love Gloin just smiling softly at the idea of Bilbo going on another adventure and just recalling I love their that own Gloin is there. Yeah. Just that They're little buddies, camaraderie. You know? They had gone through hell and back. Like, our other hobbits are about to do. And yeah, it's settled. Frodo and Sam will go to take the ring to Mordor. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert, maybe some others, because this is called the Fellowship of the Ring. Yes, they might need to collect some more. We might need to gather a fellowship. Holy cow, this was an hour and a half. God. What a doozy. And it was all... It wasn't even bits and stuff. It was just it was just talking. going through it. On God, there was so much that happened, but yeah. It reminds me of when we did our recording Ugh. with a uh, talking about pod with Mary Clay, and we did yeah. The uh, was, was it the Turin and Bellig chapter that was, was like two hours and had to be split. Oh yeah, I think so. It was but so thing is, long. Like, it wasn't as tiring because at least. There was some you action. There yeah. was some action. It wasn't just like, <laughs> and now Ken Burns presents a documentary <laughs> on the ring. It's like, oh my uh, god. I'm definitely titling this chapter. It could have been an email. It could have been an email. 
God. Well, thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. That I can't even say help. thanks for listening to this shit because it was very little shit. It was all context. It's yeah, all important lore. Again, if you're ever worried that you're giving a little too much exposition, like, look at fucking Tolkien, who just chalked mm-hmm. all his exposition into one thick-ass chapter. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even, like, exposition that was being presented by the narrator. It was literally them talking about the different shit. They were talk- there was Story a conversation time. in a conversation. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and with that, I have no energy for anything else. I'm... I need dinner, so... Hey, happy birthday, Paul. Hey, thanks. Uh, you want to give our quick thanks to, uh, to our music and yes, our... Uh... as always. Sorry. I, 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 You're I, just so I, worn out. So battle worn. I'm just so tired. Come on, Paul, wrap it up. So, I got I'm so pee. tired, sorry. I don't think I can do it. Special thanks to... Oh, my God. Special thanks to Evelyn, of course, Yay, for drawing Evelyn. our miraculous cover art. As always, special thanks to Jack Hook for providing thanks, the Jack. accompaniment and uh, just and being a cool guy. Special thanks to our patrons hey, over patrons. at www.patreon.com slash sillymerillions. Or is it The Silly Merillion? The Silly Merillion. The but Silly Merillion. I need to give a shout out too to Ollie, who's a new patron. Um, oh, shout out to Ollie. Ollie. What a What a cool person. <laughs> And that's all, folks. Imploded. I just if saw you your mind like shut off. Us, if you would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon there. Uh, we got several tiers. We'll be doing uh, Breaking Dawn, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1 this month for our movie of the Ooh. month. God, just t- <laughs> saying that made me even more tired. Christ. Uh... And the Don't bonus take pod. that moan. No one, no one, take that moan out of context. Don't fucking. And our bonus it. pod, we'll be doing another Q and Slay. So. Yes, another Q and Slay. So another if you have rant. questions, comments on our Patreon, um, or send your questions to our Twitter at SillyMarillions. Plural. On Twitter.com, you can find us there. We got other places. If you look up Silly Merlion at any fucking, we're around. We don't. We don't do anything on Tumblr. We do some stuff on uh, Insta. When I remember. When when we remember, we have an Insta. Uh, <laughs> and that is all. Da da da. Da da da. Da da. I really have to pee.